ManaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. Hey, Brian, you got John's deck? I do. So you played Modern last night? I did. I did. I heard you defeated Sean McEwen badly. So it was pretty Badly? Fun. I mean, not badly. We went three games. But it was pretty funny. I got there, like, about five minutes late. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, I'm, you know, I called him up. I'm like, I'm coming in. I want to get in on this this tournament. And they're like, okay, you should be fine. And the tournament got started a couple minutes late. But, you know, so I get there it's at, like, 7.05. Yeah. And there's Sean McEwen just kind of waving at me. And yeah. I'm like, oh, that's funny. Yeah. And then, of course, I look at the pairings. And it was, like, the one guy I know. Yeah. You know, playing him. What deck was he playing? So he was playing the deck he had attempted to loan me. For the tournament, so he had, like I said that I was going to play in this tournament yeah. on social media, and Sean was like, "Oh, I've got a deck. I can loan it to you if you're interested." It is uh, Bug Delver or Salty Delver, if you will. And no, I think Bug Delver is relevant because the Delver becomes a bug. Yes, I agree. So, uh, <coughs> but then I couldn't remember what deck it was because it was like, "Oh." What are you playing? And he's like, I told you what I was playing. I offered it to you. Yeah, nobody remembers this. And I was like, I don't remember. And I'm like, I know it's not Merfolk because you always play Merfolk. Like, he always used to play Merfolk in Modern and Extended. And I like, I would have remembered that. Um, so. Uh, do most people have like one Modern deck that they own? Uh, I think so. I think most people do. I mean, certainly John does. <laughs> no, he has an Infect deck. Oh, he does? He definitely has I mean, some of the cards are like Misty Rainforest. <laughs> they can go into two decks. They can go in both your decks. But, but anyway, yeah, so we played. He dismantled my hand in game one. In game two, basically, I sided in the Empty the Warrens. Yeah. And was able to defeat his two Tarmogoyfs, or his Delver and his Tarmogoyf, by just out, like, running him. Like, I made, like, 12 guys and just attack, attack, and then lightning bolted him. If a good player loses a match, it's because he has a tap Tarmogoyf in front of him. And, uh... Then, in game three, I was under a lot of pressure from two Tarmogoyfs and was like, okay, well, I guess I will cycle these two... Manamorphoses? These two, these two like, whatever rituals and a Manamorphose. Yeah. And, I, like, I drew into, like, a sleight of hand, which drew into a um, uh, Flames of the Past, or whatever it is, Past of Flames, and then I was able to just kill him. With what card? Grape shot. Grape shot. Yeah, I just grape shotted him for fourteen. He was at fourteen. I was like actually able to just do exaxes. It involved me uh, sweating a desperate ravings on the last on the last turn. Like I was down to four mana, and I'm like, all right, desperate ravings. Draw two. Ooh, there's a grape shot. Okay, pick one of these to discard. <laughs> Choose your weapon. Oh, it's not a grape shot. You're dead. That's exciting. Yeah, but then I lost my next two. What, what, what matches did you have? Uh, so I played against a Merfolk deck, which John claims is the best matchup, and it probably is pretty good. But in like game one, I mulliganed, and he spreading seized both my red sources. Like I drew like I didn't draw fetch lands into red sources. I just drew them like the steam vents, so I couldn't like avoid the spreading seize for a turn. Like I had to actually play them out, and uh, he spreading seized my red sources, and I couldn't do anything. And then in game two, he had four curse catchers, three remands, two dispels, and some other spell. What about game three? There was no game three. And then, uh, then round three, I played against Ad Nauseam, and he just comboed. Like, game one, we both dirtled around for a long time, and then he just found a way to get his, um, 
don't die spell. Angel's Grace. Angel's Grace. And then game two, I just made like six goblins on turn two <coughs> to race him. Uh, but like the turn before he would die, he a Lotus Bloom came into play and he killed me. It was pretty sad, actually. This format sounds boring. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lots of uh, Cabal therapy. Sorry, I have a Not Cabal cough. therapies, but you know, lots of uh, Inquisitions of Kozilek. Lots. Of, it was. It's. It's a very weirdly interactive, non-interactive format. It's the, like I'm going to interact with you only so that <clears throat> I can delay you long enough that I can do what I want without you bothering. Me. These are the cards I own. Can you play with Baneslayer Angel in this format? I mean, you can. How about, like, Kitchen Finks? Kitchen Finks is very good. Yeah. What if I played... Honestly, most of the people there seem to be playing Burn or Jun. Oh, yeah? So if yeah. I just played, like, Restoration Angel, Kitchen Finks, Snapcaster Mage, probably could have done okay. Yeah, there was a Black-White Tokens deck that was undefeated when I left. Uh, Affinity had just lost. I don't know. I mean, it seemed pretty wide open. So, meantime, though, we're doing... Eldritch Moon, Waxer Wayne. We're working our way backwards. We started on green. And colorless. Don't and forget colorless. the colorless. And we're going to do red today. So uh, we'll start with Abandoned Reason. So it's 2R for an instant. Up to two target creatures. Each get plus one, plus one until end game first strike until end of turn. Madness, 1R. Why is that Abandoning Reason? That seems like a pretty good move. Plus one, plus O oh in first strike. I guess maybe the mad. Maybe it's referencing the Madness <coughs> ability. That's actually, like, a pretty good card, I think. I mean... I mean, for limited. I for mean, limited, like, yes. I mean, we've seen this card in some form or another multiple times. I mean, there was a time when cards like Army of Allah or whatever would have been would have been playable Magic the Gathering cards. I mean, this isn't a constructed quality yeah. card, but... A fine, a fine limited card. Uh, let's see. Alchemist Greeting. It's a common that costs five mana, and it's a sorcery. This has better be pretty good. Like... Alchemist or Shaheen Shlorani's not going to get excited about this expensive sorcery. Deals four damage to target creature. It doesn't even hit players. Yeah. Madness 1R. So that's oh, kind of interesting. That's kind of cool. Kind of interesting. Not cool enough to want to play it. But... Yeah. All right. How about Assembled Alphas? This is exciting. So the Alphas are like... Um, this is like all the... They're bas this is basically the warriors. All the gang leaders <coughs> of all the wolf packs in Innistrad <laughs> assemble in the Bronx... And uh, they have, like, a meeting. And that's the assembled alphas. And then someone kills Cyrus. And then the warriors Am I confusing my narratives? No, I've, I've seen that movie. Uh, assembled alphas, 5R for 5-5 five, five, wolf. It's a rare. It's just one wolf. It's Shouldn't just it a wolf. Wolves? Whenever assembled alpha blocks or becomes blocked by a creature, assembled alpha deals three damage to that creature and three damage to that creature's controller. So this card's, like, a bomb and limited. So it's a 5-5, five, five, so... You kind of have to block it, right? <laughs> I mean, at least, I mean, certainly after it's attacked three times, you almost certainly have to block it. Like if you have like a 13 13 or something blocking it, sure. it's not really that sure. problem. That's not good enough for construction. No, I don't, I don't believe so. I think there's a card that's similar to that that might be good enough for construction. Okay. Bedlam Revelers. 6 RR for a double <coughs> horror. Uh, it's a 3 4. Bedlam Reveler costs one less to cast for each instant or and sorcery card in your graveyard. So this isn't. Delirium, and this isn't like the ability on Emrakul. This is it. Just this looks for each instant and sorcery to reduce its cost. Prowess. When Bedlam Reveler enters the battlefield, discard your hand, then draw three cards. This card's kind of exciting. I think it's like going to be good in standard, monster, and modern. Probably playable in in Legacy. 
Yeah, this card seems sweet. Like, you could easily see this card getting down to RR <laughs> pretty well, I mean, quickly. It's, it's, it's alpha state is, is uh, you cast it for two with one card in hand. The card you have in hand is Fiery Temper, right? Oh, well, yeah. Discard the Temper, get them for three, draw three cards, and it costs you, like, a total of three mana. Yeah. You have, like, a three, four prowess. Um, I think this card is bananas. Like, in modern, if they have a Tarmogoyf and you have this, they can't block, right? Like, it's too good, I why, think. Why can't they block? Because it doesn't matter how big the Tarmogoyf is. <laughs> you can't block, man. What? Because it has prowess. Oh, and you're just going to do stuff to it? Yeah, like, what if the thing that you do is I mean, is maybe like, you have to block. I don't know, man, Maybe. Seems like it's too good. So you think you think this card is so far best card we've seen in, in red? Best red card for sure. Uh, <coughs> standard playable, modern playable, possibly even. You I know. think it's going to be playable in legacy. Yeah. It's going to be a star in modern. Yeah. And it's going to be pretty good in standard. Yeah. Not as good as it is in modern because, like in modern, you have lightning bolt. You have cards like lightning bolt, scred. Um, Thoughts. <gasps> Someone was playing scred red in the modern tournament yeah. last night. The guy, I think this... to, the guy next to me had like snow covered mountains, and Sean and I were joking. It's like, is he playing scred red? And some guy's like, I can't believe I just lost to scred red. And he did. Yeah. I would play scred red. <laughs> I mean, what's that dumb card we talked about before? That's like R two discard X cards, and then like X damage to. I'm sorry. Casting cost damage to X creatures. Oh yeah, well, that's coming up in here, right? Yeah, but like, what if you have like a Boros Reckoner in play and you just cast that card and discard Blasphemous Act, mm -hmm. right? Like they're they're dead. Sure. I mean, like Scredred's probably I mean, gas. I mean, if you had Boros Reckoner and just cast the <laughs> that's a that's what a Blasphemous Act. That's what dummies would do. What if I had two Blasphemous Acts? I could just kill them on the spot. <laughs> uh, yeah, this card is super sweet. And super weird, right? Like, it's, like, it's the third sort of graveyard ability, like, so, in the set. Like, we have Delirium, we have Emrakul, which is, like, super Delirium, and we have this, which is reduces casting costs. So, I'll tell you this about this card. If they didn't have the prowess, I think I would rate it exactly as highly as I have it with the prowess. <laughs> and the prowess is insane on this card, right? So, it can't really get rated much higher, right? Because yeah. I would have rated it the same without the prowess. The and fact that prowess is a very relevant ability, especially in modern. But you've just hit the ceiling. Yeah, it's too good, right? Like it's, it's, it's like Alpha State is RR for a three-four prowess. Draw three cards. Draw three cards. That's right. what it does, right? Like, like I mean, it's easily like one of these cards in standard where you can you can play a mono red deck. You can play it in like a card advantage deck. Think about it in a blue red deck with like Thought Scour, right? Yeah, it's thought, I, that's exactly where I went with it. My thought scour is like reducing it by so much casting cost. You know? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. See, coming out of the sideboard of John's deck. Oh. Uh, Blood Mist. Three R for an enchantment. At the beginning of your at the beginning of combat on your turn, target creature you control gains double strike until end of turn. Hmm. At the beginning. Oh, it's an enchantment. Yeah. So it's every turn you get to do this ability. Yes. Well, that seems really powerful to me. I feel yeah, you're gonna play that in standard. I might. Yeah. I might. Probably not. Your alpha, your assembled alphas are just gonna be like super duper. <laughs> what if I had um, the new Tamio, and then there was like giving like the Aphidian ability, and then I had this, and they'd be drawing Ooh, so many cards. That would be sweet. It would also be a fourth color in that deck. No problem. <laughs> uh, bold Impaler. 
We have we not actually said Wax or Wayne yet for one of these cards. Okay, all right, all right. Well, let's do that. So with it's Bold like Impaler. Wayne, Wayne, Wax, Wayne, right? Yes. Okay. Bold Impaler, R for a 1-2. Normally we see R for a 2-1, but this is a 1-2. Uh, and then it's a Vampire Knight, it's a common, and it has 2-R. Bold Impaler gets plus 2, plus 0, delight a turn. I'm going to Wayne. Same. Borrowed Hostility, R. All right, this is a an Escalate card. So R... Uh, choose one or both target creature gets plus three plus zero until end of turn target creature gains first strike until end of turn and then escalate is three colorless mana I'm for sure waning on this for constructed plus three plus O for R that's not that's a titan strength ish without right. the toughness so yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? But titan strength ish but the reason people titan strength is because of the scrying but, and or or the uh, giant growth analog in red because of the you know the, the plus toughness also matters. So, I yeah. mean, like you just never use the first strike ability in constructed. I mean, I guess you could. I mean, if you, just, if you got three spare. Yeah, it would come up. Yeah, I'm gonna wait on constructed. Well, I like the card a lot. Brazen wolves, two R for two three. Whenever brazen wolves attacks, it gets plus two plus zero until end of turn. So this is just your basic Herloon Minotaur card. Or, you know, 2-3 three for 3, but it attacks as a 4-3. Yeah, this is much better than Hurlun Minotaur for Constructed. And? Wayne. Uh, Collective Defiance. This is another Escalate card. It says three options. It's one RR for a sorcery. Choose one or more. Target player discards all the cards in his or her hand, then draws that many cards. Uh, Collected Defiance, Collective Defiance deals 4 damage to target creature. Collective Defiance deals three damage to target opponent. And then it has Escalate one. So for five mana, you get to uh, force someone to discard all the cards in their hand and then draw that many cards, which could be, could you. be you. Yeah. Uh, deal four to a creature and deal three to your opponent. So if you're doing it to yourself, you're down a card. You are down a card, but you're uh, presumably looking to you know get rid of some lands or do yeah, something. Yeah, sandbag some lands with this. I think this card is outstanding. Um, close to the top of the red list for this set. Uh, I mean, four to a creature that also deals three damage to an opponent, and the ability to go for five, four round to go four and three is well, yeah, I think terrific. The, I think that the common way that you'll play this is for four, and then it will deal seven, right? Yeah. And then it's going to be a good friend to execute Firecraft in Goblin Dark Dwellers, I'm guessing, in standard. Oh, sure. Like, those guys are all going to be friends. And, and Now, can I, uh, can I escalate? Off of a Goblin Dark Dwellers? Uh, I believe what you would do is you would cast it with the Goblin Dark Dwellers, and then for, you would pay for the additional abilities. Yeah. So you yeah. could say, for six, right, you could get two abilities. For seven, you could get all three. I'm in. Yeah. Goblin Dark Dwellers <laughs> just looks better and better every time we talk about I it. I think he, he might be good with the that guy who's RR for a 3-4 prowess. They might be friends. Yeah. I'm not sure, though. The, both of them want to be the top of the curve. Yeah. Uh, Deranged Whelp. It's a 2-1 for one and a red. It has Menace, and that's it. I think it's all right. That's like a very... If Dave, Can you imagine Dave Price having access to this card? He would have never quit Magic. I mean, Dave Price quit Magic the tournament before Goblins won, like, put multiple people into the top eight of Venice. He's like, nah, I'm not going to go to this Pro Tour. I quit Magic. I'm tired of trying to make red work. I don't know if that's true. He won a PTQ, yeah. right? He, he quit on top, right? He won a PTQ, made sure he was qualified, and then quit. Um, yeah, this card, but you're going to wane on this card. I think that that's just like, it's a great card. It's it's a 2-1 right. for R1 and has Menace. All right, so wax away. 
I'm going to save my waxes for, for later, but I'm going to reserve one for okay. this. Okay, okay. Uh, Distemper of the Blood. One R for a sorcery. Target creature gets plus two, plus two, and gains trample until end of turn. Compared to the other card, the Escalate card we saw earlier. And it says Madness R. I'm going to pass on this one. Yeah? Yeah. How do you feel about this? I could see this like if, there, if there's a ma- if there's like a, some green red madnessy deck out there. Yeah. There's enough outlets like this card could be fine. I mean, your best case scenario is R for a plus two plus two. Yeah. That's nowhere near good enough for constructor. And trample. Okay. I mean, just in, in its natural state, it can't even defend your creatures yeah. from removal. Yeah, no, that's fair. <coughs> I, mean, I think if you're madnessing, you want to be madnessing vampires to play with fall. I mean, there are way better things to be doing than yeah. that thing. That's all I'm saying. Falconrath Reaver. So this is a two-two for two, and that's it. Just a vampire. You this, card, this card's actually pretty sweet and limited because the vampire deck actually is a little short on two drops. Yeah. In triple shadows over Innistrad, and this yep. card's actually pretty sweet as common, just okay. to be able to do vampire tricks. It's just like a majoring bully. Yeah. Uh, Fury Blade Vampire. 1R for a 1-2. Trample. At the beginning of combat on your turn, you may discard a card. Something we might be interested in. If you do, Fury Blade Vampire gets plus 3, plus 0 until end of turn. So this attacks as a 4-2 on turn 3 and lets you turn on your madness. Yeah, I think it's a bit weak for Constructed. Okay. Galvanic Bombardment. I got pretty excited here. I thought it said Goblin, but I saw G Bombardment, and I was, like, very excited. It's not Goblin Bombardment. This is a card uh, I think we've talked about already. R, Galvanic Bombardment deals X damage to target creature, where X is 2 plus the number of cards named Galvanic Bombardment in your graveyard. So the first one deals 2 to a creature. Only to a creature. Only to a creature. Second one deals... Uh, <coughs> second one deals... No. Oh, 3? Three? 3. Third oh, one so deals 4. 2, 3, 4. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes, no. Um... I'm going to wax. I don't think it's going to be a huge card, but I think you're going to see certainly decks that maybe even sideboard into it. I mean, it's its weak state is equivalent to Fiery Impulse, and its best state is much better than Fiery Impulse. Yeah. So, um, do we want more than four Fiery Impulses? If so, this is eligible. And in fact, if you're going to play five, you'll play four of these in one Fiery Impulse. <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, Fiery Impulse only has a couple more months of life in it. Before, you know... I would certainly wax on this card. I yeah. think it's highly efficient. Uh, Harmless Offering. This is a very... Uh, card that got people got very excited about. It's got a cute cat picture on it with a tail that has teeth. It has a little bitey, snaky head on the end of its tail. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. 2R for a sorcery. Target opponent gains control of target permanent you control. So it's basically donate. Yeah. For 2R. We've talked about this a little bit. Like, the idea that you can... Make a harmless offering of your demonic pact to yeah. your opponent. It is a. Uh, I think it's going to definitely be played in that strategy. I, I, I don't know if that strategy is a real deck. I'd but. be willing to bet that people play around with that as they're testing for the Pro Tour. People are going to at least test out. I mean, the demonic pact is such a powerful card. Yeah. Right. That like the ability to turn it into both of. So it's already just like a, this delayed blast cruel ultimatum, right? That's what it is. Right. Yeah. And, and like the only concession is you have to play with like. Somgar's Command or some kind of boomerangs in order to not die to it, but you know, you get the better part of a Cruel Ultimatum for only 4 mana. Yep. If you can turn that into kill you, that's pretty good. Yeah. So you can use up the good 3 modes on the card during your upkeeps, and then on that third turn, Harmless offering this to your opponent, and there are decks that are just gonna just have no way to deal with that. 
Yeah, I agree. You know, there are decks that just have no way to deal with an enchantment. You know, you could easily see some sort of Grixis control shell. Like, Black Red could never beat it, right? Can't beat think, that strategy. So. I mean, they have to just kill you before you pass the turn back to them. They, like, die on their next upkeep. Yeah. I mean, they just like, they die can't even untap. They can't even untap. They just lose the game. Ability goes on the stack, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, This I think this will be played. In, and also in Modern, you can play with Immortal Coil, this, and, like, Bajuga Bog. So Immortal Coil has a bunch of text on it, but it says lose the game if you have no cards in your graveyard. Mm. It costs four, so you just, it's just the donate, and then you, like... There's a bunch of zero-casting cost graveyard destruction you can play. Sure. Bajuka Bog or Tormod's Crypt. Sure. I mean, just Relic of Progenitus, right? Yep. So, that's, uh... I think it could be in combo decks. Like, Immortal Coil on this is... It's not hard to cast. So we're, we're waxing on the hard Oh, for sure for waxing, sure. yeah. Yeah. It's not like a flexible good card, right? It's no. just this card that would probably see some it's, play. It's just a powerful tool that if you give magic players, <coughs> and as long as you create interesting cards with terrible drawbacks, yeah. there's going to be some intersection of those two sets of cards, right? I mean, you know, everyone talks about Illusions Donate, but literally until Donate came out, nobody played Illusions of Grand. People Turn. played Delusions, though. Delusions of Mediocrity? Yeah. People played that. Just, oh, just... Four mana, ten life. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But not, but 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 illusions of grandeur came first. Yeah, no one. Played and no that. one played that card seriously. I mean, I'm sure people played it, but nobody played it in a serious deck until. Uh, I mean, gaining twenty life in the middle of your combo is filthy. <laughs> uh, impetuous devils. Uh, two RR. To four. Four six one. Ball lightning stats. Trample haste. When Impetuous Devils attacks, up to one target creature defending player controls blocks it in this combat if able. At the beginning of the end step, sacrifice Impetuous Devils. So it is like Ball Lightning. Uh, instead of the third R, it costs two. It gets blocked. And it has to get blocked, which is really kind of an advantage. Because you get to kill a thing? You get to kill a thing and you still get to trample over. I'm going to wane on this one. Are you? Yeah. On account of, I think it's crap. <laughs> uh, so if this costs RR1. I mean, if it costs RR1, that's translation of three mana to six damage. That's pretty good. Yeah. Four mana to six damage. Think of what, like, we already went over a card that has four mana for seven damage that kills the creature also. Right. Right. And it's flexible because you can play it for three if you need to just play it for It doesn't three. get picked off by a removal spell yeah. if that's the right thing, you know? Sure. Like, I mean, I don't know, like a total... Doesn't get Galvanic Bombardment. Like burn overload deck, maybe we'll play this, but I don't even think so. Okay. Uh, incendiary Flow. 1R Sorcery. <laughs> incendiary Flow deals three damage to target creature or player. If a creature deals dam dealt damage this way, it would die this turn. Exile said, this is just Volcanic Hammer. With an exile clause. No, it's like, oh, it's isn't it not incinerate at sorcery speed? I mean, sure. Oh, no, no, incinerate is regenerate, right? Yeah. yeah. So this card is probably the second best red card, I think. I think it's going to be widely played. <coughs> Just if you give people lightning bolt or incinerate. Shuei Nakamura gonna... came in second in an extended Pro Tour with four Volcanic Hammers in his deck. This card is better than Volcanic Hammer, and standard is a weaker sure. format than extended. But there's not really, there's not really the, is there a critical mass of red I'm going to tell you damage? two, I'm going to tell you three cards, so you tell me if this card's good. Okay. Card number one, Abbot of Carol Deep. Mm -hmm. Okay. Card number two, 
whatever the hell that card was that we talked about that costs eight or six or a hundred. Oh, or yeah. So it costs RR. Yeah. Whatever yeah. that card is. Number three, um, Goblin Dark Dwellers. Because I'm happy to Goblin Dark Dwellers this card. It's fine. Sure. Like, if, you're, if your deck is, like, Dark Dwellers... You were talking about Bedlam Reveler yeah. before? Your deck's just, like, that the, the one that deals seven, this card, Exquisite Firecraft, like, Gold Knight Castigator, and Goblin Dark Dwellers, you're probably winning the majority of your matches that don't involve somebody flipping a Profane Prince. <laughs> like, those ones, I don't know what to tell you. But the rest of them, you're winning, like, 75% of the time. In Standard. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I get it. I just, uh, it feels, it feels a little, uh, slow and clumsy. You cannot possibly be waning on this. I'm not waning on it. I just don't love it. Like, I like it. That's the thing. It's, it's the same. Yeah, I like Incendiary on? Devils and I waned on it because it's not good. Yeah. So, all right. Incendiary Flow is good. Uh, Insatiable Gorgers. 2RR. This is like that night when we went to Applebee's. <laughs> Kevin forgot they were unlimited. unlimited. 2RR for a 5-3. Insatiable Gorgers attacks each combat if able. Madness 3R. This is a juggernaut? It's a juggernaut with madness. If, if, if you madness it, it's a juggernaut. That costs R. <laughs> it's just a juggernaut both ways? Well, I guess you can block this one with walls. <laughs> This probably should be banned in every format. Juggernaut was too strong. <laughs> how, how do you feel about this card? It's banned in every format. It's too strong. Okay, so we're waxing? We're waning. We're yeah, waning on that yeah. uh, Make Mischief. 2R for a sorcery. Make Mischief deals 1 damage to target creature or player. Put a 1-1 one, one red devil creature token onto the battlefield. It has when this creature dies. It deals 1 damage to target creature or player. Wax or wane, and would you say the same thing if it was an instant? Garbage, garbage, and bow barbage. Okay. All right. Mirror Wing Dragon. 3RR for a dragon flying. It's a 4 5. Whenever a player casts an instant or sorcery spell that targets only Mirror Wing Dragon, say, for example, an ultimate price, yeah. that player copies that spell for each other creature he or she controls that the spell could target. Each copy targets a different one of those creatures. So if your opponent, for example, uh, Goblin Dark Dwellered, back. An ultimate price. Let's say Ruinous Path. That's worse. Or a Ruinous Path. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is... It's, like, spiteful, but it's also good, like, if you have, like, a Titan Strength and a bunch of guys, then they'll all get buffed and you'll scry a whole bunch of times. Right. Also, cantrip-type cards, so, like, if you had a Shelter, you sheltered this. Yeah. All your guys would get pro, and then you would draw, like, 16 cards. If you had 16 creatures. Yeah. If you only had this creature, you would only draw one card. Yeah, yeah. Remember uh, when you dropped the shelter against Ben Rubin? Oh, it was really good. The second shelter. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, so Mirror Wing Dragon, clear wax. I think it's a wax, but I think it's a... You think it's a wax with no home? Yeah, it's like a, it's on the outside of the wax line, but it's, it's a wax. Uh, I mean, like, it's difficult for... <coughs> like... Like, I, th I think this card actually particularly shines against Dark Dweller decks. Like, your opponent, like, is never going to get, you know, where they're, you know, Dark Dwelling back a removal spell to deal with the permanent the threats that you're playing. This card this card actually shines against that deck, right? Because there's almost nothing that you're going to Dark Dweller back to kill this that's not going to kill the Dark Dweller. 
other than a clip wings. Well, yeah, it's it's very spiteful. What if your opponent's not playing creatures? That's one. Sure. And the other thing is like this or Reality Smasher for just a threat that costs five that has like a interesting resiliency. Sure. Like like a Reality Smasher is much better. Absolutely. Right. You're not gonna play ten Reality Smashers, right? You can't Why have not? That, you can't have that many fives. So, all right, we're gonna wax on it. I'll wax, but it's like you're not sure it has a home. Yeah, I'm not sure. I I, I could see I could see like <laughs> Shota Yasuoka showing up with one of these in his Grixis control deck. The guy, I mean, you could just say name any card, and that could be in his Grixis. Control I could deck. name any dragon control dragon card, and it might You'd be, be like, in his Grixis control deck. Shota Yasuoka, seventy four cards, Grixis control. You'll say the Morning Star. Right, like he's just got, he's got one Yose the Morning Star on his sideboard. He can cast it only using get, Haven of the Spirit Dragon. He's gonna get disqualified. He's gonna tap you down. Nahiri's Wrath, two R. Uh, so this is a card we've already talked about. It's a Mythic. As an additional cost to cast Nahiri's Wrath, discard X cards. Nahiri's Wrath deals damage equal to the total converted mana cost of the discarded cards to each of up to X target creatures and/or Planeswalkers. So. I already described if I had two Blasphemous Acts how I would win in Modern. <laughs> um, I think this card is very good. I think yeah. it'll be played in both Modern and Standard. Uh, if you look at it just like as quote-unquote a fair card, if you're going to destroy multiple... It's one-sided, that's one thing. Right? right. It's aimably one-sided. So you can just like kill three of their things and like get in there. Right. And their things can be big, and in fact their things can be Planeswalkers. Right. So, like, you could kill, like, Nissa, Gideon, Nissa token, Gideon token, get in. Right? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the idea of discarding Fiery Temper. Yeah. You know, discard Fiery Temper and Nagging Thoughts in some sort of blue-red, or in a Nahiri deck, even. At six mana, you get to deal, you know, 11, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, you get to deal five, 13 damage that turn, divided among three targets. No, each. Well, no, because you're going to do five and five. You know, the, oh, okay. the fiery temper and the nagging thoughts add up to five. You get to do that twice, and then you get three from the fiery temper. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yep. Um, anyway, I think this card is very good. Would you play it with your mirror wing dragon? No, that's not how that card I works. I understand. Otherworldly outburst are instant. Target creature gets plus one, plus zero until end of turn. When that creature dies this turn, put a three-two colorless Eldrazi horror creature token onto the battlefield. Plus one, plus zero, huh? Yeah, so I trade up against your your dude. You attack your... You attack your... I don't know, that doesn't even work. You're still an advocate. And it's like negative, something. right? Yeah. Like, yeah, this card's poop. Um, let's see. <laughs> prophetic Ravens. This has a word that, you know, John gets excited about. Ravings and prophetic. Both, you know, good words in red cards has historically. Are... Uh-oh, it's an aura. Enchant creature. Enchanted creature has haste and discard a card, draw a card. Tap. Tap. Discard if you just discard a card, draw a card, it would be the best card no, ever. No, I'm sorry. Tap, discard a card, draw a card. It turns it into a into a looter. With haste. With haste. Probably not good enough to yeah, construct it. No. All right, Savage Alliance. This is another Escalade card. 2R for an instant. 
Choose one or more. Creatures, target player controls gain trample until end of turn. Savage Alliance deals two damage to target creature. Savage Alliance deals one damage to each creature target opponent controls. Escalate is one. <coughs> so, you can only deal one? Yeah. Trample's kind of irrelevant. So if you're attacking, I guess the idea is that you're going to do, put one point of, take away one point of buffer that they It messes have. up the mat. Yeah, yeah, pretty badly. And you get to kill a three. And yet, I'm going to wane. Yeah. I mean, you can also, it's also, I guess, decent against, like, token strategies. You know, your opponent's like, at the end of turn, secure the waste. You're like, hold on, while you're tapped it's out. It's an instant, huh? Yeah. While you're tapped out, waste your secure the waste. Maybe it's good. It's similar to, it's good against secure the wastes. Yeah. Mm. I'm going to stand firm with my waning. Okay. I think, I think it's a wane, too. It's pretty narrow, but I could see it having a home. Uh, Shreds of Sanity. 2R Sorcery. Turn up to one target instant card and up to one target sorcery card from your graveyard to your hand. Then discard a card. Exile Shreds of Sanity. So, three mana for two cards back? Yeah. But you have to discard a card, too. So, it's three mana for just a push. But it's two. you get to choose the two cards you're getting back. Well, if it didn't have that push thing. And then, and you exile this? And you exile this. this, yeah. This is poop. Sp- <laughs> Wayne. So, spreading flames. 6R. Spreading instant. It's poop, right? 6R? <laughs> Done. Man, it's, it's a, I mean, the artwork is sweet as hell. It is Chandra just lighting people up. Uh, Isn't there a card that's just like, Chandra, what's your strategy? She's like, are you kidding? Like, that was the... Yeah, well, this one is, hang on, I'm just tidying up. Spreading Debt Flames deals six damage divided as you choose among any number of target creatures. So it's seven mana for six damage only to creatures? Yeah. Like I said, poop Poop. emoji. Uh, (laughs) Stencia Banquet. 2R, sorcery. Stencia Banquet deals damage to target opponent equal to the number of vampires you control. Draw a card. Pretty cool because you can draw a card, but, like, almost any card that you would play in this slot would be higher impact most of the time. Yeah. Stencia Innkeeper. 3R for 3-3, three, three, so just a hill giant. When Stencia Innkeeper enters the battlefield, tap target land and opponent controls. That land doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. Interesting. So it's funny because when you were talking about Stencia Banquet, I immediately, of course, thought of Turf Wound. You're like, you could play any card here at three mana that draws you a card. And I was like, ooh, Turf Wound. You know, you don't let your opponent play a land yep. that turn. Um, this, is, this is actual, this card might be okay. Uh, I mean, it's pretty narrow, especially if you're drawing it in the mid-game. It's a 3-3 three, three for 4. Yeah. they are not winning qualities. Is there some 6 we want to jump to? No. Yeah, I like it. It's a fun card, but it's not. It's I don't not, think it'll be a constructed we're gonna, quality we're gonna stable. Uh, Stromkirk Occultist. 2R for a 3-2 Trample. Whenever Stromkirk Occultist deals combat damage to a player, exile the top card of your library... Until end of turn, you may play that card. So this is like an Aphidian meets... This is like an Aphidian of Carol Keep. Right? Wait, there's more text. It has Madness 1R. I think this card's awesome. Yeah, I like this card a lot. Why, why do you like this so much? It's like an Aphidian that deals damage. <laughs> Dealing damage is a key ability that Aphidians have not had before. Sure. <clears throat> so, in theory, you could, on turn one... 
you know, play like the one drop vampire, t- end of turn two, uh, madness this into play, draw a card, and then attack with this. Just like, just keep burning their guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're just gonna, yeah, you're just gonna clear the path. Yeah. I think this card is really strong. Do you go looking for madness outlets to get this into play sooner, or no, are you pretty, you're pretty happy three, to just cast yeah. this on turn three? Like, if you have like a low curve deck, you could just be getting basically two which, cards a which, turn. Which card's going to win more standard matches once this card is released in the environment? This or Sinprodder? Sinprodder's already made top four of an open. Sure, Sinprodder. I'm saying from the day this card comes out, not. We're not counting past performance. I think Sin Prodder. You think Sin Prodder? I think Sin Prodder's day has not yet been sure. realized. Okay. That guy is so sweet in like expensive, like slow ass Naya decks or something. Sure. So this is not good in those decks. This is good in cheap. Yeah, you Bernie. this is a you want to flip over a bolt so that you can cast it. Yeah. <coughs> uh, Thermo Alchemist. One R. For an Del, 03 Defender. Was Dell like on vacation that day? Thermo-Alchemist is the name of this card? Yeah, Thermo-Alchemist. Randy take is... Thermo-Alchemist? Would, like, like, would you like Thermo-Alchemist? It's like the one that's the most like Timothy Dalton. It's Thermo-Alchemist. So like, Randy took all of his like vintage Super League millions and then took Dell out <laughs> on the town for a day. And then, that, so then that's how come we have Thermo-Alchemist. All right, tap. Timothy Dalton deals one damage to each opponent. Uh, whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, untap Timothy Dalton. It's kind of sweet, but... Certainly sweet and limited. I mean, this card has been, you know, in some form or another, pretty popular. You know, uh, what was it? Uh, the, the Lobbers in uh, in the Ravnica set. Yeah, it's not going to be good enough. Yeah, no. It's kind of sweet, though. Yeah. And then, rounding out red, we have Weaver of Lightning. It's a 1-4 for 2 and an R. It has reach. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, Weaver of Lightning deals 1 damage to target creature and opponent controls. So basically, you can turn all your 2s into 3s and all your 3s into 4s in terms of damage. 1-4 reach for 3. I mean, is Becker in love with this card or does he hate it? Becker's in love. Becker's got to be in love with this card. Because I can, I can say I'm not in love with this card. Well, while this card may be the Malchemist, this card is the Beckerist. Yeah. Oh, uh, what do you think? Wayne? I'm going to Wayne on it, but yeah. I, I love this card. It's kind of cool, but... It's going to be a great limited card. You're going to do something fun with it. Uh, do you want to do anything else here, or do you want to... Yeah, is there, like, lands? Sure, we could do we could do land or meld. Lands. All right. There's a land and meld. Oh. There are a couple of lands, right? Maybe they're in meld. No, just hit lands, man. I did. There it is. There we go. Okay. Um, Gyre Reach Sanitarium. Add colorless to your mana pool. Two. Tap. Each player draws a card, then discards a card. Best flavor text in the set. All are welcome. Why is it the best flavor? I don't know. I like it. Is it just because you're watching Penny Dreadful right now, it which is. is about madness? It is. So I think this card is one of the most important cards possibly to be printed, like, in years. Okay. Why? What guess do you think? Because you love madness. No. It's nothing so trivial as what the card does. What's its type? Oh, it's a legendary land? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not seeing this. What other legendary lands have there been? 
in years. Last one was Urborg. Okay. Right? So, standard. Thalia's Lancers. You can go to six now uh, automatically because this card exists. Not just that. So you go Thalia's Lancers, get get Gyrie Sanitarium. Block, lose Thalia's Lancers, right? Play Gyrie Sanitarium, say go, okay? Right? Like, all right, uh, pitch Gisela. Oh, you see, uh, like, pitch Gisela to your graveyard with yeah. this. Play your seventh land. Cast Brunhilda or whatever her name yeah. is. Meld it up. No, why, why not just get back Thalia's Lancers, right? <laughs> and then go get another Gisela. Okay. So that you can block again. Or you could meld it up. That's the boring sure. way to do it, sure. right? So this actually allows you to complete that cycle. Interesting. Being able to go up, 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 up in, uh, in mana is cool. Um, and uh, it's, it's powerful just uh, to tap to discard a card. Um, and uh, you know, draw a card is yeah. And you can build your you can build your deck to take advantage of this. Yeah, I think that just like having having uh, those white legendary angels is. I think this card is going to see its greatest impact, obviously, in a white mid range or expensive okay. deck. But you know, just like spitting out red vampires in the end of turn might be sweet. You're also screwing up the opponent's hand, like people like want their hand to be good. Yeah, well, they can just... I mean, you're making their hand better. They get to draw a card, then discard Sometimes. Each player draws a... Oh, I mean, if they have no cards in hand, then they don't get anything off of it. I mean, I don't know. I feel like this card is sweet. All right. Uh, the only other land here is Nefalia Academy. Uh, and if a spell or ability an opponent controls causes you to discard a card, you may reveal that card and put it on top of your library instead of putting it anywhere else, add colorless to your mana pool. Tap to add colorless to your mana pool. Boring. Yeah, pretty dull. Uh, it does mess up people who have, like, duresses and stuff in the sense that if you didn't want to be duressed, it's just like a really painful badly. truth. <laughs> you, if you didn't want to be duressed, you just gave them a free mana because the, the cost on painful truths is an additional mana. So you upped it up for them. Yeah. So that's that's the lands. There's one more land, right? Oh, sure. You want to talk about the meld? Sure. We mentioned some of those things anyway. So, so you talked about Gisela, the Broken Blade, and uh, Bruna, the Fading, and Bruna, the Fading Light. So, Light. So, Gisela, the Broken Blade, absurd card. It's going to be a four of decks that don't even yeah, play Bruna. I mean, two, yeah, two white, white for a four, three flying first strike lifelink. And this card is just and it has additional phenomenal. text at the beginning of your end step. If you both own and control Gisela, the Broken Blade, and a creature named Bruna, the Fading Light, exile them and then meld them into Brazella Voice of Nightmares. So, and then check out Bruna. Bruna is five white white. You may when you cast Bruna the Fading Light. It's a cast you, trigger. Yeah, you may return target angel or human creature card from your battlefield from your graveyard to the battlefield. Flying vigilance. So, you know, you don't have to get Gisela, but I mean, you kind of want to. I think a lot of these decks are going to have like four Lancers, four Gisela's, like one or two Brunas, um, and. Uh, you know. And then Brazella Voice of Nightmares is flying first strike, vigilance, lifelink. Your opponents can't cast spells with converted <coughs> mana costs three or less. No haste? No, no. No, this doesn't have haste. Garbage. You can't um, you can't path to exile this, for example. This card is bananas. Oblivion ring this. It's not, the, the, these cards is bananas. Yeah. Yeah, both both halves of this card are, are terrific on their own. I mean I just love how Bruna can combine with things that aren't Gisela. 
that's the thing that I like. Just getting back like Thalia's Lancers and stuff sure. like that. Um, so the big card. The, we, the, we talked about the black one before, right? Yeah, we talked a little bit about Graf Rats. The same amount of mana as the white combo, but it gives you a much worse experience. Yeah, it's one, one in B for a 2-1. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if you both own and control Graf Rats and a creature named Midnight Scavengers, exile them and make them into Chittering Host. Then Midnight Scavengers is 4B. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, you may return target creature card with converted mana cost 3 or less from your graveyard to your hand. Yeah, so it's like a Grave Digger. Yeah. So you can grab, but if you grave dig the rats and you have seven, so it's seven, then it's same as yeah. The then you get to you get to meld into uh, chittering host. When it enters the battlefield, other creatures you control get plus one plus zero and gain menace until end of turn. This has haste, and it's and menace and is a five six. Um, Do you like this? No, no. not for constructed. Yeah. It, it just its cost is just prohibitive, because if you can you know just compare it to the white version. Yeah, you know, it just doesn't compare. Meanwhile, Henwear Battlements. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, tap to add colors to your mana pool. That's a great ability. Yeah. Uh, red, tap, target creature gains haste until end of turn. That's a fine ability. That is know. a fine ability. Uh, 3RR, tap. If you both own and control Henwear Battlements and a creature named Henwear Garrison, exile them and meld them into the Writhing Township. The Garrison costs 2 and an R. For a 2-3, whenever it attacks, put two 1-1 one, one red human creature tokens onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. And then uh, you get an Eldrazi Ooze, the writhing, Henry the writhing, writhing Township. It's a 7-4. And whenever it attacks, put two 3-2 two colorless Eldrazi horror creature tokens onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. This has Trample and Haste also. It's Trample and it's Haste. gigantic yeah. also. Yeah. So I think there's going to be multiple decks that just play Hanwar Garrison and don't really care that much about flipping it because Hanwar Garrison is like such a good Goblin Rabble Master. Um, yeah. But you know they'll probably play like one or two in the land. Yeah, I mean there's no there's uh, I mean very little incentive to not playing it, right? I was just thinking about playing with both Hanwar uh, Battlements and uh, that Madness Land. Yeah in my red-white deck, and I would have, like, all the melds. <coughs> By all the melds, I mean not the black melds. Yeah, yeah. The other two melds and... Thal all the melds people are excited about. And Thalia's Lancers. And, I, and then I must have a bunch of cheap spells, because yeah. these spells are all cumbersome in size. So, is there anything you want to go back and reevaluate in red? You, you, you had mentioned that one card you wanted to reserve judgment on. I wasn't that serious about that. I yeah, was well, kidding. No, no, now you have to... You have to own up to it. How do you feel about the deranged whelp? Will you wax or wane? So one and an R for a two one menace? Yeah. Of course I'm gonna wax. I'm gonna wax and wax and wax and wax and wax. I don't believe you. I'm probably gonna play with five deranged whelps and just hope that the judge don't call me. Yeah, I think you're I think you actually get a little bit of a pity call on the judge. Yeah. The judge is like, oh that's fine. It's just like on, on That's fine. On this podcast, if you have like Borderland Minotaur he gets all the abilities of Borderland Ranger and his own ability, which we don't know what it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, Borderland Ranger can now search for Borderland Minotaurs. Oh yeah, no, that's 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 a big way. To, that's a big game. So, what what card you what what's the card you're most excited about? Is it uh, Bedlam Reveler? Yeah, I think that card's that, sweet. Me too. I think this card's super exciting. I, I this makes me like uh, makes me want to play red. So I think that like the Bedlam Reveler um, kind of deck. The problem with it is that you can't play too many creatures. So, like, maybe just this guy in Dark Dwellers. Which means that you don't put, like, creature-based pressure on early. Sure. 
but you know, just have a lot of good spells. It's okay. How much? How much? What other good madness is there besides fiery temper to be playing? Uh. Uh, Avacyn's judgment. Right. Uh, I mean, you could play with uh. Nagging thoughts. I was thinking just like. Drown your temple. Yeah. <clears throat> so you you expect this card? I, I actually like this deck. I mean, also again, you know, we talked about when we talked about green. Um, we talked about crop sigil. So that's just putting cards in your grave. Yeah, that's but just, like that's a, another color. Want to have it on turn one, and like it's an enchantment. Yeah, I, I like this card though. I'm excited about it. I get that you like crop sigil. I'm just saying it's not going to my Bedlam Reveler deck. I do know. Is there any? Oh man, is there any nines we want to uh, that you want to Eldritch Evolution your Bedlam Reveler into? Why? I don't know because you can. If we're playing green anyway. We're not. Oh damn it! All right, so uh, you didn't see Ghostbusters yet, did you? I didn't. Because it hasn't come out it yet. It doesn't come out yet. Brian said he was going to see Ghostbusters last week. I thought it was last week. And I said it's not out yet. And he said, yes, it is. I thought it was last week. I don't know. A week has gone by, and he yeah. still hasn't seen Ghostbusters. It's true. Because it hasn't come out yet. I, well, I did actually watch Ghostbusters. The original? Yes. What movie did you go out to? Uh, we ended up, actually, we ended up, it ended up being pretty rainy, and we stayed in and watched Penny Dreadful. Okay. Which we really like. I like it, too. Yeah. Although I, I don't have season three yet. Um, so I'm about three or four episodes into The Americans this season. Yeah. It is not as good as Orphan Black, in my opinion. Wow. Um, yeah, the Emmys come out tomorrow. We'll find out if my dream of Tatlana Maslany getting nominated for Best Actress and, and Best, Best Supporting, Supporting Actress comes true. She's got to. Only one more season of Orphan Black. Yeah. I, lo- I love The Americans. It's, it's my favorite show on TV. Really? Yeah. It's good. I think that Carrie Russell's lost a lost a step this season really? yeah is it because she's not ferocious enough for you because she's some doubt has crept into her performance I first of all she is bloodthirsty yeah like her solution to everything is well I guess we just gotta kill him right like <laughs> and then and then whatever what's his name Reese Philip? yeah yeah he's just like well there are other solutions no I think we should kill him yeah. Yeah, they're apparently a couple now in real life Really? Yeah, she's having his baby. Wasn't she married to someone else? She was. Some other co-star from some past show. <coughs> really? She could do better, I hate to say. Yeah, well. My wife thinks he's pretty good looking, though. Yeah. I think. So this is just sour grapes on your part. Oh, no. I mean, I can, I can appreciate... <laughs> I could appreciate every Brad Pitt or whatever, but I'm just saying, I think she could do better. But I think she lost a step this year. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm very... I'm super happy. I was super happy with the show this year. I thought it was really... Uh, stay with it. You're only a couple episodes. I'm in. not gonna not stay with yeah. it. I'm just saying I thought that Orphan Black was better. Orphan Black was pretty great. Mr. Robot comes out tonight. Yeah. Have you watched any Preacher? I'm not caught up on Preacher. I, I fell off it a little bit. I fell off it and then I I got back on it. It's yeah. good. Like the fight scenes are really cool. My uh, so Steve Ellis, who did uh, most of the art for Emergence Genesis. Uh, only Living Boy. Yeah, Only Living Boy just did like. He was so excited because he does a lot of work for AMC. Yeah. And so he did, like, the Breaking Bad comic, and he did the Better Call Saul comic, and he did, like, a Walking Dead project for them. So he got to do, like, a preacher 
digital comic. Oh, that's so unfair. With Preacher drawn like, where he gets to draw Preacher with the TV likeness yeah. as opposed to the comic book license. And he's totally geeking out that he got to do it. Who wrote it? Did Garth write it? I don't know. I don't I can't think imagine so. I don't that know. Garth would write anything that Steve Dillon didn't draw. <laughs> Right, like Garth I only saw like, the I only saw the I only saw the illustration on Facebook today. It's gorgeous, yeah. obviously. But. Just like, oh, I'm gonna go write Punisher. Who's gonna be the artist, Darth? Steve Dillon, obviously. <laughs> like, I'm gonna go write a random thing about violence in Northern Ireland. Did you? Ever, no, I don't even know what that is. There's a thing called Heartland. It's like a know. super like extended double size thing. It's just about like violence in Northern Ireland and like Belfast and stuff. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, man, this must be some kind of crazy-ass, like, Preacher Constantine or something. No, because it was just a Belfast tale. <laughs> like, I can't I think it's, like, backstory characters from Constant from Hellblazer. Okay. But, like, I hadn't read any of their Hellblazer at the point that it came out. Because yeah. I just assumed it was, like, some kind of crazy Preacher thing. You see that thing where Worth tagged us all, like, to recommend horror comics? Yeah. What did you recommend? Lock and Key is the best. Uh... And you actually, actually, you think a horror comic is sure. Like I think you said Swamp Thing, right? I said I. Well, I mean, I wasn't saying like I'm just going to assume that he's like I've been devouring horror comics. Yeah. I'm like I'm just going to assume that you laid down a base coat with Alan Moore's Swamp Thing run, and then followed up maybe with like a Hellblazer run. Yeah. Right, because those are really like lays the ground, so, lay the groundwork which for modern freaking horror hell, comics. Hell, Hellblazers are you going to read? I, I think like the Jamie Delano Hellblazers are like unreadable. I think they're horrendous. I haven't gone back and read that. I liked them at the time. They're bad. I think, like, they're, like... If I say it's like a comic is tedious to read, like, I just don't want to keep reading sure. it. Sure. Um, they're certainly not up to the... I mean, the Swamp Things are the pinnacle. Like, I, I, th- I think Alan I mean, Moore's Swamp Thing is better than anything else that came out in the 1980s. You know the anatomy lesson story, right? Or did you tell me the anatomy yeah. lesson story? yeah. Yes, I've told it to you. Yeah, so you, you told it to me then, right? Yeah, yeah. So you tell it then. No, go ahead. All right, so it's like the early 80s, right? I never like, remember my story. It's like 83, maybe? No, it's it's a little later than that, actually. I think I think it's 84, 85. All right, so he hasn't come out in America yet, really, right? Yeah. So he's done, like, Warrior Comics, some Doctor Who crap, right? right? Like, he angrily walked off of Captain Britain, Yeah. right? Like... So, but he, he's, so he's not a known quantity in the United States. He's basically States. done V for Vendetta and Marvel Man. But not even really, right? Because Warrior's failing, right? Right, so, yeah, yeah. So, like, nobody even knows who he is, right? Yeah. So, the legendary... Okay, Brian knew who he was. Okay. I tried to hire him. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. It's the best, so... But there was no internet, so I had no way to get in touch with him. Well, that wouldn't help you now, either. The dude, like, lives in a cave and worships the snake fair, god... Fair, fair. ...in Northampton... He's just on drugs all the time. Yeah. Some life, huh? Yeah. I mean, you know what's crazy is, like, sure. I, I just hope he doesn't die penniless. Because he keeps, like, foregoing all of his royalties and foregoing, like, like all of his, like, movie royalties and everything because he just hates the establishment. Yeah. But, like, is that really a moral thing to do, to just give <coughs> the company millions and millions of dollars that you earn? Well, he gives it to his co-creators, generally. Oh, I guess that's okay, then. Yeah. So, like, yeah, he, like, he gave all his... Uh, Hellblazer stuff, I think, to... He didn't do Hellblazer. He created Hellblazer. Oh, he did? I forgot, yeah. Yeah, he created Hellblazer in the in the Swamp Thing, so I don't know if he got any royalties for that, but, like, I know, like, a bunch of stuff he's given up, like, all the... Any money he was entitled to, to, like, co-creators. Oh, yeah, he gave David Lloyd all the money from, uh, from Vendetta, yeah. and he gave... That's uh, what I was thinking of, yeah. So, um... So, anyway, go ahead. So, anyway, 
So there's like a circle of what would have been considered legendary comic book creators at the time, right? It was Marv Wolfman. Marv Wolfman. Roy Thomas. Yep. And uh, Archie Goodwin and Denny O'Neill. So I was sitting around. So Denny O'Neill from Batman Circle, right? Yeah. Like Roy Thomas, uh, Avengers. Uh, Marv Former editor in chief of Marvel. Yeah, Marv Wolfman, Teen Titans. Marv Wolfman, especially at this time, is like on top of the world. Marv right? Wolfman, by the way, who also wrote one of the best horror comics of all time, <coughs> Night Force. I've never read it. Is yeah, that the one with werewolves. It's, in it? No, it's where. So you know Baron Winter, who shows up in Swamp Thing at some point. <coughs> yeah. He was created in Night Force. Night Force, which is uh, Marv Wolfman and Gene Colan doing this, like basically. Gene Colan. Yeah. Oh, it's great, and it's basically this like supernatural like. Espionage agency. Oh, that sounds awesome. Yeah, they like they fight the Russians. They get involved in the Cold War. They they're great. Can you imagine if we had better printing back then? Like you mentioned, Gene Colan was actually ruined by inkers, right? Like his pencils are so elegant. Well, he didn't he didn't get inked for a lot of his a lot of his work went straight from pencils. So like Nathaniel Dusk, which is like um, a private eye comic he did with Max Allen Collins. Max that, Allen Collins. Yeah, it's all that just, guy's a genius. It's all straight pencil. All right. Anyway. Anyway. Back to the anatomy lesson. So four four old guys. But they're well, like not even old at that point. No, right? they're like the studliest studs, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. at the like the top. They're they're like the top of the comics world at this time. They're like they come around and this thing called the anatomy lesson appears before them. Like maybe let's I'm gonna say Roy Thomas has it, right? Yeah. It's like hey, let's read this comic from this guy, Alan Moore. So they go around and they read this comic, which is the first of Alan Moore's legendary run of Swamp Thing. They stop, they read it, they look around, and they're like, shit, we're done. <laughs> we're done. And then they were. Yeah, all, all four of them moved off of books and into editorial positions. Like, it was like, I mean, it's crazy, though, if you read, like, I, I, I actually find, like, Marvel Wolf and Teen Titans are tedious to read, even though it's drawn by George Perez. I think a lot of that I stuff, love that book. A lot of that stuff doesn't age. You know what? You shared with me stuff that before that was, was shockingly good to me is, like, um... Uh, <coughs> sorry. Uh, who did all the Hanna Barbera stuff? Because like the great Alex uh, Toth. Yeah, like how well he could draw, like in the '60s and oh, '70s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like you, it doesn't render very well, like when you're reading the comics, like how good of artists they were. Because the printing wasn't good enough. Right. It would like, the the printing didn't deserve them, so you couldn't see how good of an illustrator they were, and so like. Toth is like amazing, right? Gil Kane is another example. Yeah, Gil Kane was great. If you look at Gil Kane's Black Canary stuff from like the 70s, you would think that it's a modern comic because of like how well executed it is. But like if you had read it in the 70s, you would have never registered that because like the, the, you, you would have registered his like I think like the energy of his line and the, the elegance, I, but I, not I, the execution. I, I think the, I think the material stood out compared to the other material around it. You just now like have the contrast of the right? of the good paper and the better digital printing and you know yeah it stood out at the time too. People knew I mean people I knew, wasn't old enough at the people time. People knew Gil Kane was the shit. Yeah. I mean like when you go back and think of like early nineties, right? Were you ever impressed by like the image artists? Uh yes. Just Jim Lee or like Jim uh, Lee. No, Silvestri, I liked I liked Jim Lee, I liked Silvestri, I loved Wilsey Portatio. Uh, I, I mean, I thought they were all pretty good. I mean, I was never, I was never a Liefeld fan. Um, I like Todd McFarlane, sort of, but I always thought he was, you know, kind of like overwrought. Like, I mean, we when Todd McFarlane started his career, he started doing a book called Infinity Inc. for DC, and he would do these like completely overwrought panels with like, 
you know, it's like, oh, it's rose and thorn. And then, like, the panel border would be, like, roses, roses and, thorns. and thorns. And it was just, like, it was never, it was always, like, way too much. Didn't um, move the full story fiddle, forward. Yeah, too much fiddle-faddle and not enough, and not enough, like, moving the well, story his execution forward. on the Infinity Ink level was nowhere near no, the execution no, 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 absolutely Spider-Man not. or Spawn. But. But, but I like those things. But the thing that always uh, impressed me about, especially about Jim Lee and Mark Silvestri's run, is so both on X Men, you mean? On X Men, is both those guys are doing work on X Men now. This is a time where they're still doing flat color, right? Which for about five minutes, to be fair. Well, while they were on X Men, yeah. most of their run on X Men is still color. all flat color. Yep. Um, but so so what flat color means is someone takes black and white copies of the art, goes in with ink, like colored ink, colors it in. And there's in, only four colors. Only four colors. And indicates what each of those colors are with numbers that are like, you know, represent the three primary colors in some combination to get it's those like colors. It's like RB and G, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then someone, and then a studio of old ladies, literally a studio of old ladies, go and cut layers of uh, red uh, transparent that? material called ruby lith. What's something like cyan, magenta, and uh, yeah. something else? They, and they cut they cut this ruby lith, and then they make negatives to get the color image. It was like it was all this hand process. Now, and it didn't look very good. And it didn't look very good. But you could spend a little extra money and get some large parts of color airbrushed. You could get like a fade effect or an airbrush effect. Um, and if you look at those early. X-Men books that Lee and Sylvester are doing, they invested the extra money in, we're about to get poured on, uh, they invested the extra money in those guys. And so their coloring stands out, even though it's still flat color, stands out head and shoulders above um, the other coloring from that era. So the reason I ask is like, I was a kid when that stuff came out, like call it like 1989, 1990, that, that era. And I was like- the, the Sylvester X-Men stuff? Yeah. No, that's more like, isn't that more like, you're getting into it, I guess they started, I, maybe they started then, but they, they were like, it was early 90s when they were... No, no, I started collecting comics circa between 87 and 89, and okay. I didn't really notice those guys yet, and then, so John Byrne was my god for a yeah. while, right, like, so... I mean, late 80s X-Men is like <coughs> J.R. J.R., but inked by, like, uh, was it Al Green, or, like... Like, there's some pretty bad runs. Like, you would not think that a John Romita Jr. comic could look like poop. But... But, man, it did. So... Well, I actually didn't think John Romita Jr. was very good because my exposure to him was from what you're those talking about. Issues. So, and I, you know, it turns and out he's... And he's, like, basically one of my favorites. But anyway, the reason I asked the question is, like, go back and I look at that 90s-esque, early 90s art. Like, the image guys and then people who are aping the image guys. Yeah. And it looks horrible to me. And then compare that to, like, a Paulo Rivera or a Marcos Martin, like, minimal number of lines, like, like Chris Samney, like, so much communicated in, like, so little, so little amount. Like, I'm, so, I'm so proud like, of you, Mike. Like, speed. I'm and, so like, proud of you. Just like, you know what? I feel like I'm just going to block out this guy's shoes because my. And it looks great, you know? And, like, I just can't even. And, like, they're, like. You know, you Daredevil's in good shape. That's fine. They don't need to make him look ridiculous, you know. They, instead, they'll have him stand in a certain way. Right. That makes it seem like he's going to beat the other guy up. Gesture. Right? 
Like, not like, oh, the reason that you're going to believe that Daredevil is so strong is because I'm going to add additional muscles right. that don't, you know, or, you know, the old life field trick. Like, this is how you know someone's really tough. Give them, like, 14 sets of shark teeth, and, right? And, like, and an extra rib cage. Like, an extra exo rib cage yeah. that comes out about a foot over his, like, you know, George Perez waist. Yeah, no one's ever going to beat this guy in a fight, right? <laughs> and so, he's got a gun. <laughs> And a pouch. He's the world's most powerful telekinetic, but he's got a bazooka that he just carries around. <laughs> so, but yeah, so like, you know, Paulo Rivera will just have Daredevil standing in a way, and I'm just like, one arm will be felt flexed so that you'll see that like the bicep is flexed, and it'll be holding his billy club, and the other person will be cowering, and he'll look scared, right? Yeah. Like, oh. This makes a lot of sense to me, like the way that they're telling. Because I was just reading some Valiant comics where they just trick like Paolo Rivera into doing a comic about Eternal Warrior. And it's just so simple. Just like here's this dude with an axe or whatever, and it's just gorgeous, you know? And it's in and I would it's in what I would call flat color, right? Because it's not this like over-processed layers upon layers of computer coloring that the image guys kinda bulldozered into the market. But Anyway, I don't, I don't even remember what I was thinking. Other than the anatomy lesson story is the best. Best horror comic is Lock and Key. You've never read Lock and Key yet, I've have read, you? I've read Lock and Key Volume 1. I need to go get the next Yeah, next it's volume. like all very good. Yeah, no, it was it's, great. It was uh, great. I yeah. loved it. I read it to my kids, and my, my daughter actually has an amazing thesis on, uh, on the ending. Okay, well, I'm, I'm not but, there uh, yet. So. But, all right. Well, we'll talk about that at another time. So that was, what, Red, Meld, and Lands. Yeah. All right. Bye, Brian. All right. Oh, you're supposed to meet John's deck. Oh, yeah. Come, let's go All inside right. so I can back in it. Okay. Bye.